It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Thank you so much for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse Show this morning. We've been talking about grasshoppers. We've been talking about turf, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, we do have with us this morning, Marie and Ton with you, but we also have Lyndon Greenhalch with us, who has been helping us out with the grasshopper question. So you can still address your questions to him on that. Uh, next person, Ton, next listener would like to know how they should prune tomatoes or do they prune tomatoes? It really depends on what they're doing because if they have what are called determinate tomatoes, where those would be like a celebrity, you really don't need to prune them because they stay small enough and they yield most of the tomatoes within a two or three week period. And so if you have determinate tomatoes, just leave them alone. Indeterminate, there's a few different ways to prune those. And Maybe I'm lazy. I usually don't. I just leave them alone and I get lots of tomatoes. But people will prune them to control their size. And oftentimes they'll run the indeterminate ones. And so they produce a few tomatoes over a longer period of time. And so you always have, say, uh, you know, a gallon or two once a week as compared to indeterminate. You get them all really fast and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Indeterminates would be like cherry tomatoes or a lot of the paste tomatoes or the um, old-fashioned, like, what what am I thinking, brandy wine would be indeterminate. And so those, if you're going to prune them, you can run them up a pole and just use a central leader and you take off some of the lower branches. But it's kind of like trying to explain how to ride a bicycle (laughs) over the air. And it's just something you need to watch a video, get a book, and do. But indeterminates are the ones that mainly need pruned, and it just depends on what you're doing. If you're leaving them in bush form, there's one way. If you're running them up a pole, there's another way. All right. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open right now. Next listener, next text text question. I can't speak. Uh, they say bluegrass in their yard is being overrun with tall fescue. How would they get rid of that? It's probably the pasture fescue, I'm assuming. And what you would do is let the lawn grow for a week or so so that the fescue gets two or three inches taller than the bluegrass Mm -hmm. and get what's called a wicking wand. It looks like a hockey stick with a sponge on the bottom. Follow the instructions on the wicking wand for mixing the glyphosate or Roundup and just you rub that over the tips of the fescue so it works its way into the plant so you can salvage the bluegrass. Okay, next texter wants to know, are there any good products to get rid of box elder bugs? Do we need to get rid of box elder bugs? Do you want to chime in on this one too, Lyndon, on the box elder bugs? Yeah, because I, I have a lot of them where oh. I live, and I've been using a Ortho Home Defense Max, and it's an indoor-outdoor product, and it's, it's, it's good. You have to reapply it after a while, but it's really worked. Yeah, the, the box elder bugs are migratory, so they will keep coming in, but 
the best you can do short of cutting down the trees is the spray every week or two, depending on what product you use. Yeah. I, I've had good luck with it and I, we just got a million of them where we live. Yeah. Okay. Next listener says, is it okay to just spray 24D in hotter weather? Absolutely not. It, 24D is volatile at warmer temperatures and it will drift. Oh. And in any broadleaf plant it runs into while it's drifting is liable to be damaged. Uh, you'll see a lot of distorted growth on the leaves. Hmm. And so... With lawn weed killer, the reason we're not spraying it through the summer is because primarily of 2,4-D, but also another product called dicamba. There are a few lawn weed killers that you can use in the summer that don't contain those two ingredients, but 2,4-D just needs to be put away until the fall. Uh, next person says, oh, I read that wrong. 2040, is that what I said? Sorry. Uh, my, I thought it was just a typo. <laughs> yeah. I've been seeing quite a bit of herbicide damage this past yeah, week already. Yeah, I've been, my grapes, I didn't spray any 24D, and I've got about a third of them on the new growth. And it has to have bounced in from a few hundred yards away. But just here, it's just like a third of the grapes are coming out with distorted growth, and the rest look fine. But that's what happens. Grapes are probably the worst, most they are most susceptible to. You can almost just say two four D, and they'll just start to curl up. And I I noticed that was it Iowa, one of the midwestern states where dicamba is used a lot, has a cutoff date that you cannot use dicamba after. It was. I think July 1st or like June 21st or something. And I was surprised to see that, but that's the exact reason because in hot, windy weather, it's that stuff drifts. Okay. Next listener says uh, their four-year-old Japanese Zelkova has some branches where the leaves on the ends of the branches are turning kind of a reddish brown leaves close to the trunk still look healthy and green. It's happening on branches at the top of the trunk as well as branches midway. Uh, what could be the cause and what could they do to correct it? Lack of or too much irrigation. These Zalcovas can be a little more touchy to get established the first year or two. But when you start seeing leaf dieback and tip damage, like the branch dieback in them, they really need to be checked for either too much or too little water. A lot of times it's too little, but they do need to dig down a little bit and investigate. Okay. Uh, Our next listener would like us to give a plug. Um, Excuse me, I'm trying to read way too many things here. Uh, For Wildlife Rehabilitation Center of Northern Utah, they have a fundraiser coming up with comedian Bill Engvall. Engvall. Ingval, he you know who this is. Was part of the um, oh, what was the tour that he was on with Jeff Blue Collar Comedy Tour, and then the World Tour at WHIRLLED. But I, he's kind of PG thirteen ish, but I don't mind letting my wife at least she's comfortable with him, and he's a really funny guy. Okay, I'm trying to see uh, if there's a little bit more information. And there is more information. Uh, you can find more on Salt Lake County's website. Uh, if you d- Bill Engvall Benefit, uh, it's on Saturday, October 7th. So you have quite a ways out to look at that. And with us uh, this hour is sponsored by At Your Service Pros. And with us is Jared Corcoran. He's been with us throughout the hour telling us how we can save some money. Uh, Jared, tell us about your company and what makes you different. Well, so we've been serving Salt Lake for over two decades. Uh, 
The biggest thing that makes us different is our true dedication to quality. We make sure that we are training our guys every single week, whether it's their install teams, our service techs, even our system designers so that they're designing ductwork properly and everything else. And that's part of why we were the first ones in the state to truly implement the MeasureQuick software so that we can make sure our customers can see that quality and see the difference in their system after we're there. We talked earlier this hour about how the prices have gone up for HVAC uh, due to the pandemic and supply chain issues. But you're also telling us that there are some great ways right now to save money. Yeah, so the beauty of the current rebates is despite all of those price increases, you can actually end up getting your new system um, and a much higher efficiency system than you could before. Because with what Rocky Mountain Power and Dominion Energy have done, they're both incentivizing uh, hybrid heating systems or a high efficiency furnace and a heat pump. And so those rebates usually take three to six weeks to get. We apply for those rebates for you. And then the federal government has a $2,000 tax credit on heat pumps and $600 on the high efficiency furnace. So you can get the 25C tax credit next year when you do your taxes. And then right now on some of their high efficiency systems, a man is doing up to a $2,100 rebate off. So it sets it up very nicely to end up saving potentially half of your entire system's cost. It's really difficult for some of us to decide which company to go with on our systems. Uh, uh, It's really hard. Sometimes you're just not comparing apples to oranges when it comes to a system. What's your best advice for folks? So one of the things I always explain to people is ACA has a checklist out for homeowners to help them actually evaluate contractors. And they give you a list of about 20 questions and you go through and check off if the contractor meets those different criteria. And each one of the criteria they uh, check off, then that gives them a point and they walk you through how to determine how valuable the contractor is. Because they're talking about making sure a contractor actually does a heat gain, heat loss calculation for your house. So for example, even before we show up to somebody's house, um, one of the people in my office will pull um, all the data on the home and put it into the computer so that when we're showing up, we already know the majority of what size system your house should be, unless you've you know replaced windows or added insulation. And we take that into consideration when we're out there. And then we actually go through, look at your duct system, make sure it's sized properly, find any inefficiencies so that they can be fixed before your new system's installed and before it damages your new system and costs you more money. Jared, thanks so much for being with us today. No problem. Have a wonderful day. You too. And at Your Service Pros has uh, has sponsored this hour of The Greenhouse. You can find out more about Jared and his company at atyourservicepros.us. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Good morning, and thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse Show. This morning, we've been talking about grasshoppers a lot because a lot of people are seeing grasshoppers. And Lyndon is with us to ask, answer your questions about that as well. Uh, let's see. 
Next person would like to know, our number to call if you'd like. Phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can text us your questions at 57500. Uh, next person would like to know, if you throw perennial seeds in the ground, will they grow? Maybe, some probably, of them. some of them. <laughs> it's just one of those things that depends on the particular perennial, the growing tissue conditions. Sometimes these perennials might need a combination of warm and cold temperatures with moisture over two or three years. It just really depends. Uh, next person is back to the 2,4-D. Um, they say if they don't wait, if they don't use 2,4-D till fall, what should they use to spot weed tree, treat or spray bigger areas of weeds? It depends on the area, and I wish we had more details from them. But on your lawn, you can spot treat with something like Image All-in-One Lawn Weed Control that just has the quinclorac in it or... You know, if it's cool and at night and it's just one or two little spots you're doing, you know, say you have to spray out a thistle or something, then maybe 2,4-D sprayed over a one-by-one-foot area is okay. But it's just extreme caution in areas where it doesn't matter, maybe something like glyphosate. Mm-hmm. With with all the wet weather we have saw this spring, uh, what kind of things have you guys seen that have been big problems? What kinds of calls are you getting? Starting Other than get grasshoppers. Tomatoes. Um, Lots of tomato questions. What are you seeing, Lyndon? Uh, well, I, a lot of tree stuff, and and I'm seeing, like I told you, I I'm seeing herbicide damage in trees. And when I start investigating, that you know, find out they were treating the lawn, and you know, it doesn't take much drift to for that to get over there. Uh, in in Twilkin, we have a lot of iron chlorosis, especially in Grantsville. Yeah, I, some other things I've been looking or been seeing are the beginnings of the lawn, you know, the billbug grubs are starting to come out a little bit, sod webworms. But I've noticed J.D. and Sheridan said in Davis and Weber counties and Cache, the stone fruits have been really damaged by the previous winter. They leafed out normally, flowered normally, and just the trees are collapsing or three-quarters of it is dead and they just have one branch. Have you been seeing that out in Tooele? No, what I what I've been seeing is uh, a lot of voles and uh, girdling of trees, and you know that that'll kill them outright. Eventually, oh, there was an orchard that's kind of isolated out in Juab County, and they had three or four feet of snow and about the two to three foot level. Every tree in the orchard was girdled. Yeah, and this 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 was down in uh, South of Vernon, Benyon area. If you know where that is, I. Not really. I've driven through Vernon many times, but I haven't explored that area very well. All right. We have Michelle on the line in Clinton who wants to ask about grasshoppers. Uh, Good morning, Michelle. What was your question? Good morning. Um, So my husband texted earlier (laughs) and um, asked, we sprayed about two weeks ago with a Bayer product um, to get rid of some of the grasshoppers before they got big. And we're seeing them come back. Do we... Can we respray? It says on the bottle that we can um, respray after three weeks. However, um, we can only spray, I think, once or twice a year. I can't remember what it says, but. What you can do is get another product that has a different active ingredient and spray it and rotate the two. What's the active, what's the active ingredient in that product? (laughs) Um, it starts with a C. <laughs> probably cyfluthrin 
Erlandus, yes, I, yes, I flew Thrin. And so that one would have a two to three week residual. And so you would maybe want to rotate with another product that isn't a, what we would call a pyrethroid. And so maybe Captain, if it's not a big area, maybe Captain Jack's dead bug brew or, I mean, most of the homeowner stuff is just pyrethroids anymore if it's stronger. Oh, okay. And so Captain Jack's dead bug brew is organic, but it does an okay job, but that would give you the extra week that you might be able to reapply the bare product. Okay. Um, and we live about three quarters of an acre. And so um, I noticed that, and I don't know much about grasshoppers, but they're different colors depending on what part of the yard they're in. Are they all, the, is it all just the grasshopper? They could, that I'm dealing with. They could be uh, different at different life stages, different instars, because they're usually lighter color when they're younger, and they get darker and develop wings. And don't we have two or three common species that you can see? Yeah, there's well, there's thousands of species, but around here, they're probably those little about three quarter to one inch long when they're mature. And can I ask one more quick question? Is any of this going to harm my vegetable garden? Any of the product that I'm spraying on it? Well, the Captain Jack's is organic and it's registered for general garden use. And so okay. it's going to do the least amount of damage. But if you spray it and the grasshoppers ingest it, it can take a couple of days for it to be effective. The other thing is, is you may have to find a different product with spinosad in it because I need to look at the Captain Jack's label. And as long as the the particular crop is labeled, you're legal to use it. But let's say you have broccoli and broccoli isn't on Captain Jack's label. You can't use it. So as long as the oh, crop okay. is there, you can use it, even if it doesn't say grasshoppers. Okay. That sounds great. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks so much for your call this morning. Uh, next listener says, how do you control elm seed bugs? They are terrible this year and they're getting into their home. Do you want to take this one? No, I hate elm. Okay. I hate elm trees. I hate elm trees. Well, I mean, the ultimate I... solution is a chainsaw cut at the base oh, of the no, tree. No, 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 no. People who have elm trees like them, obviously. Well, and it's mainly the Siberian elm that's causing the problems, but it's very similar to control of box elder bugs because they're related species and spraying something every couple of weeks is about all you can do. Yeah. I think that ortho home defense max might help you there too. Okay. A next listener says they've used rebar in their raised vegetable beds for a few years to hold up the trellises and they've noticed that uh, it's gotten rust on it. Is it okay to keep those in the vegetable beds? It's fine. Rust won't harm anything. Uh, next person says they live in Bluffdale. Their soil, soil is alkaline clay. How should they prepare that soil before they plant trees, bushes, and perennials? Well, they need to have it tested, and they may have knowing it's alkaline clay because they need to know the salt levels because that's going to dictate what they can plant. And so if they know the saltiness, if it's the measure is under three, better under two, but they might get away with like box elder trees and some oaks and maybe honey locust, but it's all going to be about the salinity. I mean, the other thing they can, they can do, and especially in gardens and flower beds, is mix in a lot of compost into the soil. All right. Uh, the question we had about 2,4-D earlier, you kind of answered it about um, lawns, turf, but this person says uh, they were actually also wondering about what do they do about garden weeds? What can they use in their flower beds or garden beds? Well, I don't want to recommend a whole lot of chemicals in the vegetable garden. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they before this could they, be flower garden. Yeah, they didn't say before specifically. they plant, they can treat it with glyphosate and wait ten days. But you know, honestly, during this time of year, my vegetables gardens in. I just try to stay on top of things with a hoe a couple of times a week and just cut those weeds out with a gardening hoe. Um, what about flower beds? Flower beds, same thing. I Those plants are packed so closely together, it's hard to spray anything without drift getting on desirable plants. Okay. Next listener says, what are the chances of success or what are your secrets to seeding a lawn this time of year? Water. You have to have available water and you probably will to have any success will need to put down a finely ground compost like soil pep or peat moss a quarter to a third of an inch over the top of the seed. So I'll broadcast the seed on top of the soil. I don't rake it in, but I'll put compost over the top of it. And that compost at about a third of an inch will last long enough for the grass to germinate before it starts to work its way into the soil. Okay, we have just a couple of minutes left. Lyndon, I want to thank you for coming in today and answering all of our grasshopper questions. I don't know how satisfying the answers are for folks uh, because they're truly a pest. Right, it's a tough tough situation. One thing I wanted to say is that if you're using uh, concentrated products and mixing it, you better have a dedicated sprayer and not use your herbicide sprayer for your insecticides because sometimes you'll get get them crossed up and you'll spray around upon your strawberry patch or something like that. It is good to have a dedicated sprayer for just insecticides. So, All right. Well, thanks again for being here today. Uh, this morning we talked about uh, the plan of the week. This morning was the Peace Rose. You can find out more about that on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. Kind of a fun thing to look at on Independence Day weekend. Uh Obviously, Linda's been here talking about grasshoppers. Uh, If you missed the program, if you are just tuning in, uh, be aware that you can go back and listen to the program on the podcast at KSL News Radio. Just scroll down the podcast and you'll find the greenhouse there and you can hear our entire conversation about grasshoppers that we had at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. And at 10 o'clock, we talked about turf problems. You can find that conversation as well. Tom, I'm going to leave you for a week. And go off and see my sister. Dave Meekham's in next week. He is. And I know people are going to want to talk about tomatoes. That's always when Dave hosts, tomatoes are going to be a topic. Okay, we have 30 seconds. But what is with those little green worms on my tomatoes? You could be seeing a number of different things. They could be cutworms, but a general horticultural soap will knock them out or a, probably a BT spray that's organic. And I can't just pick them off? That's not going to solve can. the problem? You can. As long as you can get them all, you could even fill your sink up with water or a tub and put some soapy water in it and dunk them and pull them out. All right. Okay. Enough of that. All right. Everyone have a great weekend. It's 11 o'clock. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. 
Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.